said, wake up, sleeper. I bet you hear that sound every day, don't you? Tell me, sleeper, what's the first thing that pops into your head? Don't try to deny it. Nine more minutes of fitful shut-eye. Instead of coming to your senses, sleeper, you try to escape. Smash the snooze button for one more hollow break. Wake up, sleeper. I know what you're running from when you're sprinting after your daydreams. Every time you open your eyes, a floodlight of uncertainty washes in, blinding you with uncertainties, anxiety. We not know what the next hour may hold for us. What is true? What is real? Who can be believed? What can we say that won't get in the way of who we are truly called to be? So we lay our heads back, resigned to a muted state, trying desperately to put at arm's length the hate and pain that you and I are called to reconcile. Wake up, sleeper! What you hear is here, and it can't be ignored, for it is war. It's not war of bloodshed, bone against bone, but it's a combat of the ages, a clash of eons, fought since time immemorial. Do you hear it? The sound of the battle cry, hear it, sleeper, and hear this. The weapon this world needs is your voice, your compassion, your truth. The groom is calling out his slumbering bride. There is a lion inside you ready to roar. There is a power inside you that you cannot possibly comprehend. Sleeper, do you dare to believe that within you lies the power to move mountains into the sea? To call out death and bring forth life. Would you take hold of it? Wrap yourself in its mantle. Oh, sleeper, awake within you the truth that this world desperately needs to hear. Awake and rise up and the light of Christ will shine on you. For too long, the sleeping giant of the church has slumbered away. For too long, we have forfeited our prophetic voice. For too long, we have laid dormant and hallowed just like the story of the bones in Ezekiel. Now we need a fresh wind. Now we need a fresh fire. We need a God to blow over us in the valley that we are in to restore us to spiritual vitality to transform our communities. Wake up, Faith Promise. Who's glad to be in the house of God this weekend? Man, incredible to see you. We love you guys so much. We're thrilled you're with us. If you're still online, can't wait for you guys to get back to in-person gatherings. And uh, God is doing so much. By the way, this service at the Pellissippi campus, we have got the part of the Tri-Cities launch team with us. Welcome on this weekend. Pastor Stephen, his sweet wife. By the way, last weekend, new voice is incredible. Ebony at North Knoxville campus, so proud of you. Well, there's a ton of talk in the culture about being woke. Woke, I had to study to see where that word came from and what that word actually meant. But what is going on right under our slumbering noses 
church is the culture is shifting every value that a Bible believer holds dear. The definition of the family, completely eradicated. God excommunicated. Worship, it's not essential. Abortion clinics, essential. Bars, essential. Walmart, essential. The house of God closed that down. Come on, somebody. We can go everywhere. We can go everywhere. We can go everywhere, but don't go to the house of God. COVID doesn't spread in riots. It doesn't spread in Walmart, but heaven forbid you go to worship. Listen, we got to wake up. We got to wake up. Righteousness is gone. I was working on this series and just thinking, because words matter, right? Words matter, culture, 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 cult, cult, culture, culture, cult. So I just got my computer. What's the, what's the etymology of the word? Culture, it goes back to the Latin. It began as a Latin word, which meant to cultivate the soil. We were agrarian. It meant to plant, it meant to harvest, it meant to cultivate. But that Latin word moved into the French word and it changed definitions and it meant instead of cultivating, it meant culture to be cultivated. So now we are no longer cultivating the culture, the culture is cultivating us. And it is a cult of culture to press you into its mold in opposition to what God wants for you. We're warned in Romans 12, one and two, I beseech you, I'm begging you, Paul said, by the mercies of God, because God is so good, to present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service of worship. And do not be conformed into the cult of the culture, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God is sending a wake up call to Faith Promise Church. Come on somebody, wake up. Wake up. Listen, because we are engulfed in the culture, this is what we typically do. We keep hitting the snooze button. Go back to sleep, go back to sleep, go back to sleep. Values we're losing, foundations are destroyed, and we go back to sleep. And so Paul writes a letter under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the church in Ephesus, a wildly wicked community of idolatry, sexual perversion, and everything else. And in the midst of the warning of chapter five, Paul says in verse 14, for this reason it says, awake sleeper and, Christ, and rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Right. We need the prophetic voice of God in America. Yes. Nobody, I mean, listen, we wanna know what every athlete thinks. We wanna know what Hollywood celebrities think. We wanna know what social media think. We wanna know what the talking heads of CNN or Fox thinks. Who cares about what God knows? We've lost the prophetic voice. And so Paul warns us over in chapter six. He said, finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes. You're gonna come back to that word in a minute, the schemes. So the apostles warning this church, who have fallen asleep in a wicked culture. Faith promise, American church, we have fallen asleep in a wicked culture. I thought about calling this series Out of the Closet. 
because the devil has come out of the closet in a full-scale frontal assault on the kingdom of God. No longer subversive, no longer guerrilla warfare, no longer hiding, because America's so biblically illiterate, they don't know that the devil is shining like an angel of light, the Bible says, and is and transforming this culture into something in opposition to God. He's on a full-scale assault. I believe he knows his time is short because King Jesus is gonna come get us pretty soon. And he's coming back. And so in this series, I'm praying for your eyes to be open to the power of God and the potential of this church. I'm praying for God to give you heavenly wisdom and not worldly wisdom. I'm praying that God will give us the power to stand in this moment. Listen, 2020, this is our moment. Pentecost, that wasn't our moment. The Reformation, that wasn't our moment. The mission movement of the 17th century, that wasn't our moment, but we got a moment. And we're either gonna stand and make a difference or we're gonna shrink back and let it roll on. The scripture warns us that there'll be a day when they'll call good evil and evil good. Let me tell you what shoved me over the edge to do this series. I saw a list of faith promised people celebrating Gay Pride Month on Facebook. Just celebrating. Now, do we love people? Absolutely. Do we love everybody? No question. But listen, when we celebrate evil and call it good, you say, well, why would you say that if you ask that question, you don't know truth? And I challenge you, listen, do you know what Instagram and Facebook and social media have taught us? You got time to pray and study. So go ahead and bring me your iPhone and let me check your screen time. And when you're averaging two hours and three hours and four hours and many people eight hours and nine hours a day, do not come to me and say, I don't have time to say the Bible, you are lying. And so the Bible says that the foundations are destroyed. What are the righteous to do? Gang, we're living in the destruction of the values that built this nation. We're living in it. They're being destroyed all around us. What are we gonna do? See, we are called by our master, the Messiah, the King, the resurrected one. We are called to be salt and light. Salt preserves, it protects. But Jesus said, if the salt is no longer salty, it's good for nothing but to thrown into the street and be trampled. We're to be the light exposing the deeds, it says, of darkness. We're to be light showing the path, but if the dark, if the, see, there's really no such thing as dark. It's the absence of something else, which is light. And so what do we gotta do, man? We have choices every day to make. Little choices, big choices every day, but after a while, our choices begin to make us. And you've got to choose this day whom you will serve. You've got to choose which side that you will be on. In the battle that is raging, you will either be on the side of this world or the side of this word. As for me and my house, listen, we're going to serve the Lord. Second, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 says this. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world, for the, anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For all that's in this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of eyes, and the boastful pride of life 
is not from the Father, but from the world. The world is passing away, and also its lust, but the one that does the will of God abides forever. James, Pastor James, who is the first pastor, Pastor James, 4-4 says this, you adulteresses. See, I'm really a cream puff preacher. This guy's tough. But we're gonna spend next month in the book of James. Just get your seatbelt, get ready. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. God makes it crystal clear. You gotta choose which side you're gonna be on. Does this make sense? So, man, the world that God made rejected him and he sent the prophets and he sent the priests and he sent his son Jesus and he keeps sending to bring the world back to itself because th this is the world. Remember, we go back to Ephesians 6, uh, 6 11. Be, be strong in the Lord. The, be able to stand firm, having done everything to stand firm against the schemes. I just big found, I, just, I did a word study on that because words matter. So I pull up my Greek and I start look up the word. The word for scheme is methodia. Does that word sound familiar to you? Methodia. Sounds like method. Beware of the methods, but the, in the Greek, that word is a compound word. It's made up of two words. Methos, which means to travel. Dia, which means trickery. So here's the deal. God says, having done everything because you are traveling over trickery. This world is set up like a master magician with a wave of this hand while it pulls the card out with this. While it changes, gets you looking over here and shifting of the value. While it gets you moving over here and transforms what a family is. While it gets you looking over here, worried about a COVID and church closes in America. While it gets you over, are, are y'all with me? Yeah, yeah. And so the, we are warned, you are traveling over trickery. Be able to stand, having done everything, wake up. Oh, church, Paul goes on in five, Ephesians five, and he said, therefore, because you got to wake up, therefore, be careful how do you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of your time for the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine for that is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit. Here's my question this weekend. What are you full of? Are you full of paralyzing fear or powerful faith? Paralyzing fear or powerful faith because the church in America has been injected by this culture with fear. We've been told to shut up and lay down and get in our buildings and leave everything else to the specialists. Who are they, politicians? Who are they, media? They can't change anything. We have the power to change. My goodness. But Satan wants you full of fear. That's why God calls him a lion. If you've ever been in the jungle and truly been close to the roar of a lion, it will send shivers to the core of who you are. But what we have forgotten is Jesus left the throne of heaven. Jesus came to earth. 
Jesus was crucified on a cross and he grabbed the devil by the throat and he pulled every tooth out of his head and he pulled every claw out of his paw and all he's got left is a roar. We now have the power. But if we will let it, fear will be an incredible weapon of the enemy. It will paralyze us and it will keep us back from all that God wants for and in and through us because most everything we want is on the other side of fear. Building an incredible campus in Tri-Cities on the other side of fear. Come on, Pastor Stephen. Been moving out and doing something incredible. But 1 John chapter four, verse eight says this. Golly, bum, I just... I love the word. First John 4, 18. It's back there somewhere in the New Testament. There is no fear in love because perfect love casts out fear. Because with fear, there's involved a punishment. Come on, listen. The more you learn to love God, the less you will fear the world. The reason that we accept the fear of the world is because many of us love it more than we love God. We want what the world has more than we want what God has for us. And so we live in fear that the world will take away what we have. But when you learn to fear God, the fear of the world fades. The syringe of this fear culture is standing ready to inject us if we'll allow it. I want you to think with me. If you're thinking, say I am. Little 18-year-old, 18-month-old kid. Dad walks up to the porch of the pool, and dad says, jump! That kid looks at that dad, looks there. And runs and leaps into the arms. He gets about two, about two and a half or three. Like I watched a couple days ago in the pool, Zach's in the pool, sitting here, got arms this big around, the water's three feet deep, little river's now two, he's falling down some. Zach says, come on, river, jump to me. River said, I'll catch you. No, come on, just jump, I'm right here, jump. No. Why? I'm afraid. See, we've all fallen and we've learned fear and we refuse to leap anymore. The fear culture is cultivated within us. Are y'all with me? The fear culture. And the enemy is a master manipulator of our emotions. So the older we get, the more fearful we become. Now, there's a difference here. When you're an 18 year old young man, It's not that he's fearful, he just doesn't, well, he's just dumb. (laughs) So we all walk up to the edge of a 100-foot cliff into the lake, and someone says, jump! And we go, okay. Has anybody checked the depth of the water? I'm sure it's fine. And off we jump. I can remember rolling down the ridge cut on the interstate, through Chattanooga at 160 miles an hour in my 66 Corvette with bald tires and an engine about to blow up. Ah, those tires will hold. Today, are you smoking crack? (laughs) You see, that's not about gaining fear. That's about gaining wisdom. But that's not what I'm talking about. 
The older we get in Jesus, the more faith we ought to have, the more risk we ought to take, the more bold we ought to become. That's why you need a growth plan. That's why you got to get in the Word of God every day. That's why you got to grow up in all aspects unto Him so you will not be injected with fear, but you will be men and women of faith. Because see, you're cultivating one or the other. You're cultivating fear, you're cultivating faith, and the loudest voice in your life will be the voice that will win. So what is it? Is it social media? Is it the cultural kings out there? I'm just gonna tell you in my life, the loudest voice is the Word of God. It's the loudest voice. This is it. That's why, I, listen, who are you listening to? So those of us that are born again, we know that our Heavenly Father doesn't drop us. And we can run and we can leap. Why? Because we know our God will always catch us. See, living a life of faith is an incredible adventure. Moses took a leap of faith when he was 40 and failed. Killing the soldier. Runs and hides for 40 years in the backside of the desert. And this is what many of us believe. Come on, we believe we can hide from this fight. Our family's gonna be okay. We're just gonna hide. Wrong. God shows up 40 years later in the burning bush, says, Moses, go back to Egypt, get my people. Moses finally obeys God and lives a miraculous adventure of faith and rescues an enslaved generation. Come on, Peter, in the boat, I mean, about to capsize, waves, 10, 12, 15 feet tall, wind blowing, Jesus walks up. Peter says, come on, Lord, call me out there. That looks awesome. I love that. Jesus said, come on, Petey boy, get out of here. Peter jumps out of the boat and they're having just a little, little two-step jig on the water, but all of a sudden the wave hits Peter upside the head and he realizes, dear Jesus, I'm on the waves and the wind is blowing and the fear began to rise and as the fear began to rise, he began to sink. You see a correlation? Fear rises, we begin to sink. Jesus goes over, picks him up and says this, where is your your what? Faith. Your faith. Where's your faith? See, by fear we will sing, by faith we will soar. By fear you will get sucked into the undertow and by faith you will walk on the waves and live a life that this world can never dream that you can live. It's incredible. This is awesome. So here we are living in the fear culture. We're afraid of COVID. We're afraid of the economy. We're afraid of a recession. We're afraid of the presidential election. We're afraid of it for our health. We're afraid about our memories. We're afraid where our kids go to school or not. And what will we do for those that are in a relationship with Jesus? The Bible says in 1 John 5, 4, the perfect love cast out fear. Let me tell you something, you're more than an overcomer in the name of Jesus. You have great victory in the name of Jesus. You can walk in incredible freedom in the name of Jesus. You can walk with him by faith and have a life the world can't imagine and you can make a difference and you can stand strong and we will win this war and we will rule and reign with Jesus forever and ever because we walk by faith. Woo! My mercy. Wake up, church. Aren't you glad you came this weekend? Now wake up. My goodness. For all of recorded biblical history, the devil has tried to squelch the people of God, tried to squelch the witness of Israel, tried to squelch the witness of the prophets, tried to squelch the witness of Jesus, put him on a cross, killed all the apostles but one, their church has been persecuted, it's been hated, it's blind, it's been mocked, it's been lied about and talked about. 
But let me tell you, they cannot silence the voice of God because we win this battle. Bible says that by faith, we are more than overcomers. I don't care what this world says. I don't care what Hollywood says about me and Jesus. I don't care what the politicians say about me and Jesus. I don't care what the culture says when I lift up biblical values and they say you're an old fuddy-duddy. Call me whatever you want. And for me and my house, we are gonna serve the Lord. So maybe, just maybe, you're not sure where you and he are. Maybe you've been to church or maybe you caught us online and you came sort of when COVID's over. Listen, this world will lie to you. It will cheat you. It will rip you. It will rob you. It will leave you destitute. So there's only one hand to reach up for and there's a hole in it. The hand of the one that came for you died for you and rose from the grave is reaching out that nail scarred hand and saying, I love you. Come on, come on. So if you're ready to take a leap of faith, is it scary? Sure it is. But if you're ready to take a leap of faith and begin a relationship with him, he's ready. So at every campus, with every head bowed and every eye closed, we get ready to take a leap of faith. Let's turn to Jesus with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, you've probably gotten to this, this spot so many times where you knew that God was speaking to you, you knew that he was calling you and you'd never cross the line. And the way we do that in our church is we pray a prayer, but the prayer, the words aren't the things that change your, your position with God. It, it's the attitude of your heart. It's where you are right now when you realize you're riddled with fear, you know you're separated from God. All you have to do is call out to him. And at Faith Promise, we say no one ever prays alone. And so Faith Promise, let's pray with those who need to trust him for the first time today. Uh, just say this, dear Jesus, I've sinned and I'm sorry. Forgive me. I choose you. I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I turn my back on the world. And now I will follow you. I put my faith in you to save me. 